I appreciate that. Yeah. You're doing that. Gets the people going. That's the goal, at least. Gets me going. Oh, well, stop it. You stop it some more, you. Kitty, happy hump day. Baby. What's the word today, girl? Always vibe. Well, not really, no. The word of the day is masks. Um, Backs. Uh, Be safe. Help your neighbor. Love your country. I don't know. The vibes. We are not. We're not in vibes. I'm sorry. There's no vibes today. No vibes today. I'm mad. Oh, my God. Look what y'all did. Look what y'all did. Y'all brought back the masks, and you, therefore, you give and you take. You bring back masks. You take away the vibes. No, I get it. Listen, I, I'm not happy about it. The vibes it. are impeccably low today. Low air quality, low air vibes. I'm not happy about it, but I, I get it. You know, we did this to ourselves. I hope that we can one day bring the vibes back. Right now, they're just kind of floating aimlessly in the wind. I'm going to start one of those Twitter accounts, and it's going to be like, did Kitty's vibes come back? You know, days since the vibes been gone. Something like that. Right now, they're just vibes in the void. Vibes in the void. You hate I, to see it. I hate to see it. We'll get it back, though. It's going to be like days without an accident, days without vibes. It's so much worse. Kitty, shall we do a weather dealio? Will this turn the vibes around? Yeah, tell me how hot it's going to be with my cotton mask on. Uh, I'd so, love to know. So that didn't help, did it? How no. long it's going to take for my blush to bleed through my mask. And we are under a heat alert. Ah, yes. Another one of those advisory dealios. That's good, because I just got back to breathing normally. 99 degrees on your Wednesday. Some clouds this morning, giving way to some generally sunny skies, according to weather.com. I'm this your best local podcast, of which you can now nominate this your KC Morning Show for Come on, best you got local podcast for the two pitch. Two days. Two days left. Two days? It's only two days left two to nominate. Two days. And then they're going to tally up all them nominations. They're going to say, here's who's on the polls. Put us on the polls, people. I have fear of rejection. I do. Please don't reject us. Do you know who we are? Casey Morning goes. We are the reigning and defending best local podcast in Kansas City, according to not only the pitch, but most importantly, you, Kansas City. So yeah, do that nominating thing you do. I like telling people that, you know, it's nice. Like, I don't feel like my life has no meaning when I can say, oh yeah, I'm a host of the best local podcast in KC. No big deal. My picture's on the pitch. Pick on the pitch, you know. Pick on the pitch. Got two more days. Nominate us. Use your mom's account. Use your dad's account. Create a burner. Create another burner. You know you got them. You You got got four burners and a school email. This evening, 78 degrees, Kitty. Mostly clear skies. Your sunset time, 8.33. A waning gibbous moon. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. You ready for this? 101 in the triple digits in Kansas City. I'm going to get one of them fishnet masks that the Karens were wearing. <laughs> one, I think it's kind of sexy. Get a real one. Just You're meet right. in the middle. You're make right. it make it lace. Mm. I didn't say that'd be sheer. <laughs> Just make it like a nice sturdy lace. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, daddy likes a sturdy lace. <laughs> it's a Wednesday. That's your weather dealio on your KC morning show. Baby. Today. Well, we said no vibes. And that's a damn shame. That's goddamn shame. How are you doing? Me? I'm more of a personal level. How are you? How are your hands feeling? You got some tats? Yeah. They um, look good. You know, I actually posted an update on my my Finsta account. Wait, what? Back up, back up. What, what, what is a Finsta? I'm only mentioning God, I sound so old right now, but I need the explanation. What is a Finsta? Fake Insta. Faux Insta. What do you post on a faux Everything Insta? that you don't share on the normal one. Oh. Uh. Okay. On my normal Instagram, I have over 2,000 followers. Oh, so it's just the account for the titty pics. That, that's that's what that means. Right? I mean, yeah, I guess. Okay. That's kind of what they started okay. as. I got it. I get you. But like. We all remember the early days of Tumblr. I get it. I still have Tumblr. Steady as she goes. So. Steady as she goes. Don't go searching for it. I only have like 100 plus followers on my Finsta. Close peeps, the homies, you know, the biz. But 
today I actually did post an update and of course I'm angry about the masks and stuff, but I've been really thinking. What you been thinking about, girl? I'm about to have another birthday. We're still darn deep, I guess, rolled up in this panini. Darn um, delta deep in the panini. Oh, Jesus. And I just, I don't know. I actually was, I've been feeling really thankful for everything. Like this has been a really, really good week for me. And it's only made me reflect back on the last March. I was super depressed. I actually went um to Colorado right before the pandemic started uh, with one of my good girlfriends. And she had just come back from a semester in Morocco. We were going to Colorado to celebrate one of her other college friends who had also been in Morocco. And of course, all these people have stories and they this and they're that and they're majoring and I'm blah, blah, blah. And I've already accepted a job. I'm just sitting there like... I'm a server and a bartender. I ain't got nothing else going on. And this again is pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. About a month pre, before. Yeah, pre-Hartzell. Some dude was actually blowing me off. and That's what she said. Not in a good way. <laughs> and I was just, you know, all of those combined, I was feeling very inadequate. This week. Fast forward to now. Fast forward to freaking now. To the last week of July, 2021. And I officially got enrolled and signed up for my third semester of college. There we go. Wow. There we go. What a blessing. I got five new hand tats from my mother who's following her own dreams. I was asked to model for two different brands. Our podcast, our baby, is freaking number one and hoping to, you know, retain that championship crown. Go on now. So flex a little bit, girl. Go ahead. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Go ahead. I'm just I I'm peacock a little bit. I've got good friends. Got a good boyfriend. Dogs a derp. You know? <laughs> no, it's a good day to be a Kansas Cityan, yeah? It's a good day. We need that optimism, I think, headed into what we're about to go into, because it's about to get messy again, and that's fine. We know what we have to do. And what makes Kansas City unique is that I do think that amongst all the noise, we do have the right people to do the right things. You know me, life is pro wrestling, so let's bring it back to the macho man, Randy Savage. The cream rises to the top, me, Gene. And I think our window is open, and if we got the right intentions, and we're doing it for the right folks, we can get a lot of good things done here. And the answers are so simple. In fact, the answers are right there. It's like a take-home test, my friends. This is an easy A. Use your notes, guys. We already have masks. This is an open book test. Yeah. Stay on brand. We got the people here. Let's go change the world. And look at you. If Kitty can come into a Wednesday, that optimistic, sans vibes. Well, then, shit. Kansas City, here we come. I didn't know we are doing a pump-up speech this morning, but I'm cool with it. I'm down, Kitty. Thank you for that. For that oop. She gave us the alley. Kansas City, are we going to oop at home? It's oop at home, baby. Let's do the goddamn news, Kitty. You want to do the news? I guess we really ain't done with it, huh? Do that thing you do. Say that word you say. Wednesday, July 28th. Let's do that news. In other news, this city needs its news. News team, assemble! Let's go, let's go. My name's Hartzell, that's Kitty, and this right here, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this right here, this is your news break. Take a little break with news. It can be done. Promise you. Put your feet up. Sit back, relax, enjoy yourself, get cozy even. Cozy with Kitty. That's a segment coming coming soon to your Casey Morning Show. It's gotta be. Wow, I'm still just really inspired by the words of wisdom you gave us so early in the I'm show. I'm shocked, actually. Usually you, you save the words of wisdom on a Wednesday for the end of the show, but you brought it out early, girl. Yeah. Uh, What's crazy even... I did find some good quotes today, and you had actually told me to look for those, and I was actually in the middle of typing out this little fence to post, and they went hand in hand. It was very, very strange, but like, a good, good strange. I mean, that energy, baby. The stars are aligning. The morning show stars are aligning. You know, because I was going to talk about uh, this girl. She, she got a, a pineapple bikini, and apparently that's a thing for swingers. It's a whole thing on TikTok. So that was the route that I was going to go this morning, but you brought us home, and I'm happy happy that you you reminded us kitty who we are on this your casey morning show this is the story of us ladies and gentlemen this is a story of greatness of excellence and while right now we may not be the excellence of execution as far as you know you know wearing a mask and stopping the spread 
getting back. I do know that Kansas City, our time is now, and they will see us. There's like four wrestling references in that little bit I just did. On the show today, Kitty, we wrap up our conversation with Professor Harvey K. He is the Professor of Democracy. I'm mean, what a title. Every time I say that, that's just the coolest. Professor Emeritus over at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. So many books out. He's a hero of mine. FDR on Democracy is his latest, and we were chatting about Josh Hawley. He's got an article out. Don't fall for the okie doke. We try to prepare you for the okie doke so you don't fall for the okie doke. Professor Harvey K, he is just the coolest. Like, I can't believe that we have this man on the show. Also on the show, we got Kiana Sinks and Nicole Jacobs Sylvie. They are hosting the Roundtable KC. It's happening over at KC Wineworks today from 4 to 6. A space to discuss ideas, honor lived experiences, give voice to issues that often go unspoken. And they're just two of the best people to host this. Today, KC Wineworks, there's not a bunch of tickets left, but there are a few. And Kiana and Nicole will tell us all about it. And then we wrap everything up with the sports thing. Benny Heiss, Bet Sided's very own Benny Heiss. He's like head Benny boss man over there now. Talk about the Olympics. Simone Biles, that's a big story right now. We've got everything covered on your KC Morning Show. I told you, just take a break with the news. We got you covered. It's just a couple clowns at a bar. It's the morning show, right? So we'll call it brunch. Mimosas always on the ready. Bloody Marys. Bottomless Bloody Marys. Bottomless Kitty. Marys. And we just kicking it. We got our phone out. Here's the news. We're hitting the vape. Hitting other vapes. Puff, puff, pass it around yeah have some coffee because duh and by that i mean we're passing around the news we're passing around that That's what sweet sweet newspaper mm. roll me one up and light up the news the question is though is our news an upper or is it a downer it's a hybrid it's a hybrid she says let's do this let's do COVID. This morning, the CDC changing its mask guidance, advising that fully vaccinated people return to wearing masks indoors in areas of high transmission as cases climb around the country. This was not something that we took lightly and something that I know weighs heavily with me and with all of America. Director Walensky citing new science that shows even some vaccinated people can transmit the Delta variant. The data showing, though, that the vaccine reduces the risk of getting the virus sevenfold and the risk of being hospitalized 20-fold. The CDC also recommending kids and teachers return to school in the fall with everyone masked, even if they're vaccinated, a reverse from guidance given just two weeks ago. The new guidance coming as parents across the country protest mask mandates in schools. But the head of one of the largest teachers unions in the country standing by the new guidance. Obviously, we're going to embrace the science, but, you know, it's it's with great reluctance that we have to put our mask back on. And so, Kitty, it all begins again. Return of the mask. I had a feeling you'd be back. Just like that one. So this mandate will be for indoor settings. The mayor write it in part. I have stuck with CDC guidance throughout the pandemic, and today is no different. Over at Westport Cafe, they've adapted during COVID, like adding some outdoor seating, vaccinating all their staff, and now... If they have to... To, to bring back the mask mandate, we will adapt again. Adapt is key as the city goes under another mask mandate. It's a tough one. I wouldn't want to be in the mayor's shoes. Mayor Lucas says this mandate is based upon national and regional health guidance discussions with Kansas City leaders. As the Delta variant, our area is outpacing much of the country. I just texted my sister and said, you got to get vaxxed ASAP. The only reason she hasn't gone is because the kid works like 50 hours a week. My I, dad's going to die. I told her. I mean, my dad's going to die. Okay, well. Like, real talk. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to call him out. Because at this point, I'm not really sure how else you talk to anybody. I to just get straight the up shot. said. And I'm, and I'm actively trying to find ways. Is it encouraging? Is it ostracizing? Is it shaming? I don't know, but I'm trying everything. Because if you don't have it by now, shots, plural, by now, I am just really hoping that at some point you had COVID and you've got some kind of immunity. Like my dad, I hope he had it actually. And it was mild or asymptomatic and he's got some antibodies because I don't know what you do at this point to tell people to take the thing that they need to take. And I've got friends who work in the restaurant industry who, you know, they're upset about this because they have to be the mask police like you're talking about, you know, you're working at the mall, you get the same situation. I get that you're upset, but 
take that frustration out on the folks who have not gotten the shot. The reason why we're at this point, I'm not saying you gotta be mean to them or shame them, or maybe you do. I don't know. Right now, the pandemic is raging. How do you slow that down? Wear a mask. The science says do that, so we should do that. But we do have a vaccine this time. So we have an outlet now, place our frustrations. Tell those folks who don't have the vaccine to get the vaccine. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely talking out of my ass on this. To my restaurant friends, why don't you all talk together and say, hey, we're gonna all agree in Westport or in the crossroads or downtown that we're gonna make all of our patrons have to show a vaccine card. I mean, you check IDs at the door, so I know you know how to do that. Can you ask them for a card? Let's get creative here instead of just being mad that once again, we have to go back to doing a thing we didn't like to do. Even though we know that thing that we have to do, wearing a mask is in fact the right thing to do. And speaking of right things to do, at least in my opinion, Jackson County, they are going to say, hey, if you work for us, you gotta get the shot. Jackson County taking new steps today to promote vaccinations, requiring all full and part-time county staff to get their dose before September 30th. While it's not a mandate, any employees that don't roll up their sleeves will have to receive weekly testing for COVID-19. Getting lost in the shuffle of all this, Kitty, is uh, all the news about the Big 12. Then there's the basketball part, right? Oklahoma and Texas officially announcing their intent to leave the Big 12 for the SEC today. They've got a grant of rights signed through 2025 with the Big 12. So when the move happens, it's still up in the air. Conference realignment largely based on football, those decisions there, but it could greatly affect Kansas City and its basketball scene. Of course, KC hosts the Big 12 tournament every March. That wouldn't happen without a Big 12, even if KU and K-State moved to other conferences. They work so far out, as do we. So Big 10's bid out through 2031 in all these different cities every year. It would be really hard to find a conference championship like the Big 12, another Power 5 conference, that would come to our city year after year after year. A lot of them either have established in two or three or four, eight other cities. City and Big 12 are very unique, and that's why we can't take that for granted, or we never take that for granted because of the relationship that we have with that conference championship. When I think of my conference, I still consider myself part of the Big 12, even though I went to Mizzou and at that point we were in the SEC. On top of all of that, Kitty, there's no Big 12 party or Big 12 tourney if there's no Big 12. You know, being someone that did work in the bar and service industry, events like that are really what make you money. Yeah, you worked FanFest a bunch, I bet. All the time. I yeah. mean, and those are, they're terrible shifts. They're horrible people. But it's things like that that we rely on, that that industry relies on, you know? And it's what, once a year? Hear me Sh out, Kitty. Hear me out. Let's bring the NBA to Kansas City. Just bring the NBA to Kansas City. Come I mean, on. I mean, once again, the answer is right there. They can do concerts at Arrowhead and still have a professional sports team. Why can't we do that in T-Mobile Center? Wintertime is clearly the worst time for the service industry. Sure, you get the holidays, but literally once you're done with Thanksgiving and the Christmas boom, you're struggling. You are literally struggling from... Up until probably, what, St. Paddy's? Yeah, and even then, it's still not much. I mean, you have a good chunk of months where you just don't make anything, again, unless it's on those specific holidays or right around there. You bring NBA to Kansas City. Basketball is a winter sport, right? Winter and spring. Then you got you have baseball and your football because people come on Sundays and Thursdays and Mondays. I'm just saying. I mean, come on. Do you know how many jobs and people's lives would be changed? We need NBA and KC. I don't even like the ball of baskets, but I say <laughs> bring it on. Bring back the Kings, baby. Bring back the Kings. Let's be Kings, Kansas City. We could be Kings. Just for one day or all the days if we bring them back for at least 82. How many games is there in the season? 82. Let's go national, Kitty. I was electrocuted again and again and again with a taser. The officers testifying in the first hearing of a special committee investigating the insurrection, describing stunning attacks, both physical and verbal. One woman in a pink MAGA shirt yelled, you hear that, guys? This nigger voted for Joe Biden. No one had ever, ever called me a nigger while wearing the uniform of a Capitol Police officer. MPD officer Michael Fanone, furious at some Republicans' attempts to minimize the violence officers experienced. The indifference shown to my colleagues is disgraceful. Cheney also saying she wants to know what was happening at the White House every minute, suggesting the former president could be subpoenaed. You know, I work at Sporting Kansas City, right? I'm the hype guy over there, you know, mm -hmm. Sporting Kansas 
city. Lately, you're known for being the guy that falls off a platform. Okay, but okay, sure, okay. you know, you got the voice too. Wait, don't tell my new boss that. Oh my, my gosh, yeah. Patrick Mahomes is uh, kind of my boss. Okay. Look, there's no, there's no kind of. He is my boss. A guy everyone knows, number 15, Patrick Mahomes. He owns another piece of Kansas City sports today. He's now part owner of Sporting Kansas City. And this isn't the first time the Chiefs quarterback has enterprised here in the Metro. He also became a part owner of the Royals last July. Company parties about to be lit. If I don't get to schmooze with baby Sterling, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And as soon as I saw that and you sent it to me, I pictured um, the office holiday parties. <laughs> and definitely I see you, Patrick, you know, as Michael, obviously. And I love that. I love that. I hope that you can be Michael's Ryan. You know, I hope that you can be that for Patrick. I will accept my iPod Nano from Michael Gary Scott, Patrick Mahomes. Let us have this. I believe he wouldn't buy the club if he didn't believe. I believe as well. He, I believe that we will be friends. I listen, believe that we will be friends. Do you I hear believe what you that just we said? will be friends. You said he wouldn't buy the club if he didn't believe. That means he knows who you are. What you mean? Everyone knows who the hype man for Sporting KC is. You know he's seen reels and he's got to be like, Think, who's that crazy little brother down there jumping around, ripping his pants, falling off platforms? When he had his accountant, you know, find, yes. out, find out the yeah. details of this deal. They had to see who's on staff, right? Yeah. Got to make sure he's getting a bang for his buck. Yeah. He had to have seen official hype guy yeah oh my god patrick mahomes uh, what do i do at least has what do the, I do? the briefest idea oh the briefest and that's but all still, i need but still all right you're on bed rest now you're on vocal rest we gotta get that lemon we need the hot pot we need steam honey oh my god you gotta get your voice in tip-top shape i'm on it boss you are not going to work sounding like a bag old cat patrick mahomes i'm your guy i'm on it boss man you're listening to the casey morning show Yesterday, we talked to Professor Harvey K. He is a historian. He is a sociologist. He's got a bunch of books out. His new one is called FDR on Democracy. But one of my absolute favorites of all time, it's called Take Hold of Our History. It's a radical history, by the way. It's a collection of essays that, uh, don't get me wrong, you know, Professor K, he breaks us down sometimes, but he also builds us back up and he kind of gives us that pick-me-up progressive speech that we all sometimes need. Professor K has a new essay out. It is entitled, Josh Hawley Throws Challenge on Big Tech and the Left. So we pick up part two of our interview with Professor Harvey K. Without further ado, Hartzell and Harvey, the new normal Batman and Robin. <laughs> Put that on a shirt. It's your KC Morning Show. And let me give you one more scenario, okay? So let's suppose in 2024, Biden is still able to run again, okay? I mean, he's getting up in, up in years. So let's say he's, he runs, you know, and Harris is his running mate. And... Trump does run. Now, keep in mind, Trump has already basically distanced himself in, you know, in his typical despicable way from Pence, who's an equally despicable character in many ways. But the fact is that he's going to go looking for a vice presidential candidate to run alongside of him. Now, possibly he'll, he'll look for a woman candidate because he wants to appeal in some ways to that vote. But it may well be that he's going to he's going to choose Hawley. I mean, I could easily see a Trump Hawley ticket. And what? And Hawley could care less if Trump wins. I mean, it doesn't even matter because that positions him then for 2028. So I'm hearing what you're saying. And, you know, I guess, what do we do? You know, especially when you have folks who want to do the right thing for the right reasons, but it gets co-opted by bad actors. And I also feel like at the same time, we're on a bit of a time crunch here, Professor. This is a bit of a loaded question, but uh, how how do we stop any or all of this? Now, Before they guys, hijack not just history, but also the United States once again. We may have to make this a two-episode thing. You know? may have to. <laughs> you know, I've been arguing for a long time, and since you do know the book Take Hold of Our History, which is a collection of my speeches and essays, America turned to social democracy under Roosevelt and the labor movement of the 30s from the likes of Sidney Hillman and A. Philip Randolph and others. Look, I'm not nostalgic about the 30s. Jim Crow segregation prevailed in the South. Class inequality was, was awful. Poverty was rampant and all that. But it is the case. What makes the 30s the kind of decade we should be immersing ourselves in is to draw inspiration from the struggles that emerge in the 30s that enable FDR and his new dealers to get the kinds of laws passed that then enable American inequality to reduce. FDR eventually appoints a Roosevelt court that will eventually set the precedent for later courts, the Warren court in particular. You know, you say, you know, you're a fanboy of the Great Society, I'm a, for the New Deal. We, we shouldn't see these things as separate. So really, there's this really remarkable arc 
forget forget Obama's arc of you know whatever. Think about it in terms of the arc of struggle. Not just it's, there's nothing that there's no law that things arc good or bad. But if you think about it, so in 1935, a generation of Americans, and I want to make it clear in all their diversity, I am not talking about whites only at all. This is 1935. A generation of Americans is give or take a few years, 15 years old, and it's the New Deal years. Some of them will go into the Civilian Conservation Corps. Some of them will be old enough soon enough to get into the Works Progress Administration. They are going to be deeply embedded themselves in the New Deal. Their parents will have voted for Roosevelt. So now they're 15 and they know that what works to truly make America, in quotes, great is public action democratically pursued public action, which includes subjecting big business to to public account and regulation, which includes creating programs to make sure that Americans get jobs programs to address the environment. Okay. And when people talked in the thirties about the environment, they generally had in mind rural and small town areas like the drought of the Dust Bowl years. Okay. The soil erosion on the upper Midwest. And that's what the Civilian Conservation Corps set out to address, as well as building sidewalks and parks and all of that. The Works Progress Administration, similarly, keep with me. Okay. So they're 15. In not too many years, they're in the army the men at least, but 350,000 of the people in the U.S. Army and armed services in World War II were women, okay? And, and it was probably the most diverse American army that ever existed, right? So then they're now, at the end of the war, 25 years old, and they come back from the war, and they're not prepared to take America back to normal. The struggles begin, right? Now, it's going to be a long time before the struggles secure the kinds of ambitions that they have. I mean, they took seriously the idea in World War II that they were fighting for the four freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. Now, 1955, how old are they? 35. They're still young, right? 35. And it's in 1935 when really the civil rights movement is renewed, okay, number one. Number two, labor is in 1955, one of every three workers is in a labor union in America. Not only that, but over the next couple of elections, they elect liberal House and Senate, admittedly filled with reactionaries from Dixie, but that's another story. Then how old are they in 1965? They're 45 years old. So now they're middle-aged. And who have they elected? Well, previously they elected Kennedy, who was not exactly a liberal, but he was by no means a reactionary, obviously. Okay. They've elected Lyndon Johnson, who was far more liberal and progressive than Jack Kennedy. They elect one of the most progressive Senate and House in, in American history, which begin to pass all these laws. As I said before, civil rights, voting right, rights, immigration reform, Medicare, Medicaid. They, they build schools all around the country, state universities, and not just in, improving the flagship campuses, but the other four-year campuses that make up state universities around the country. I mean, it's an extraordinary generation. They were the greatest generation, not only because they fought the war, but maybe even more importantly, because they're the generation that having witnessed Social Security and the National Labor Relations Act and benefited, were going to benefit from them, also then enact Medicare, Medicaid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then in 1975, now they're 55. They're not there yet, but they're heading towards the horizon of senior, of seniority in America, right? Well, the fact is that younger generation, which thinks of itself as more progressive than its parents, actually, they're the ones who start moving to the right somewhat and are prepared to vote for, over the horizon, Ronald Reagan. What I'm getting at is this, that the way we need to address the crisis we are in is first to remind Americans, remind Americans of who they are and what it took to secure what they do cherish. By the way, as a footnote to this, I got to tell you, really interesting studies were done in the 90s. Americans deeply believed in American progress, and they believed as well that the progress was achieved through struggles. They recognized the tragedy and irony and exploitation and oppression that prevailed throughout American history, but they realized that struggles had led to progress. Even more interesting is the one group in American society that had the firmest grasp on the American story, if you consider the story involving the kinds of things you're taught in school, strangely enough, okay, were African-Americans. Why? Because it got passed on to them, the sense that not just the revolution, but the civil war mattered. It wasn't a war between the states. It was a war for freedom. I mean, it's those kinds of things. Well, if we look back to the 30s, if we look back to the 30s, again, for all of the divisions, anti-Semitism was 
was powerful, okay? Racism was pervasive. Women were still, even though they had secured the right to vote, the inequality between men and women was, was, was gross, you might say. But it's also the case that in the course of the 30s, remarkable coalitions emerged. So the labor movement, even with the racism in too many white, white unions, was an interracial struggle. So the CIO that was formed in the 30s, the Congress of Industrial Organizations, many of their unions actually banned racial discrimination in their ranks. The AFL actually included the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, the A. Philip Randolph-led union. So they created in the course of the 30s to empower the New Deal all the more what was called the Popular Front or United Front. And the, th the sad part about these last several years is not only our failure to, to, to tell the American story in the way it needs to be told, but also the fact that we've had all of these movements emerge, whether it had to do with anti-fracking, anti-pipeline, whether it had to do with Black Lives Matter, whether it had to do with the fight for 15, whether it had to, you, you see where I'm going in all of this, right? But all of those movements stayed discreet and separate. They didn't come together in any kind of popular united front with a progressive social democratic agenda. I mean, last year, one couldn't help but be impressed by Black Lives Matter. My God, it was the largest interracial set of demonstrations in, in American history. But I kept saying to myself, where's our A. Philip Randolph and our Walter Ruther, the head of the UAW of his day? Because in fact, even the great March on Washington for jobs, notice jobs and freedom, though emanating from the vision of A. Philip Randolph and the labors of Bayard Rustin was decidedly enabled by the fact that UAW leader Walter Ruther said he would underwrite, his union would underwrite the buses to get people to Washington, which led to 250,000 on the National Mall. We have yet to create that kind of solidarity or unity among us that really would, if you like, lead to a more progressive social democratic politics. And having said that, I want to say that the creation of that kind of solidarity would have to arise out of the struggle itself, but what would be a kind of glue to it might well be an understanding that even the story of America is not a story only of African Americans fighting for this, or women pursuing that, or labor unionists in whatever diversity there is pursuing that. It's that the story of freedom is the story that we all share in. The story as I've tried to put it, is this. And we really have got to see that the story isn't your story or your story or your story. People can't see I'm pointing in different directions. It's our story. I know that sounds very Pollyanna-ish, but I'm convinced that the left, as you know from the title of that book, we have to take hold of American history and we have to start teaching, enabling Americans to understand why it is they feel so dissatisfied with the way America is and the direction in which it is going. And that the reason is because what we're witnessing is so... Yeah, is so decidedly against the grain of the American promise and all the struggles that our parents and grandparents and, you know, our ancestors had in mind. The vision they had, we are betraying. And out of the struggle itself, the kinds of story that I'm trying to have told will create the new narrative of America, I hope. I am someone who very much believes that, you know, to say that we have gotten nothing out of this moment, I think would be a disservice to the victories that we have attained. Like you can tell, I'm an, I'm an optimistic guy and, and I firmly believe that you gotta celebrate the wins. And we've, we've had a few, but we've also had so many step backwards. But again, I wanna remain hopeful. So I guess, Professor K, before I let you go, for those with hope who wanna remain hopeful, Professor K, what are, what are our next steps? The question is, how far can Bernie and the squad push Joe Biden? Right now, they've pushed him in policy terms, though it's not clear that even the Democrats are going to vote in unison to make these things happen. Right now, I'm not optimistic, by the way, but I, but I remain hopeful. And the hopefulness is based not on, on all of a sudden Biden having a catharsis and changing his demeanor or anything like that. It has to do with the fact that even with all the divisions on the left, liberal to to progressive and radical. The fact is that folks have got to keep pressure on, on Biden. And the pressure involves not only pushing policies, because look, you and I both know the voting rights, the new Voting Rights Act is, is not likely to, to come through. And the PRO Act, which would empower workers in the workplace, transformative, but it's, it's all but dead right now. Yeah. So we have to get Biden a victory. That infrastructure plan is crucial. People should not get into the mode mindset of saying, Oh, it's just infrastructure. No, infrastructure is is fundamental. Why? 
because it will literally bring Americans together in labors. This whole process of rebuilding the infrastructure, of improving American life, will bring people together who wouldn't otherwise come together. So the rural folks will all of a sudden find themselves involved in a project that that folks in Kansas City and St. Louis are involved in the same project. That will sort of create a sense of what it means to be an American, or at least try to hopefully revive it. But more importantly, if they get the infrastructure plan enacted, let's say three to four trillion. The fact is that Biden then picks up, sorry, I'm acting as if people can see what I'm doing. You can see I picked up a pen. Pick up the executive pen and you start signing executive orders. I've got three executive orders in my head. The first one is anyone receiving pay from the infrastructure bills, now laws or acts is guaranteed at least a $15 minimum wage. There should be no one involved in the infrastructure laborers who was paid anything less than $15 an hour. Actually, it should be higher, but let's just go with the figure everyone has in their heads. Second, anyone involved in infrastructure work of any sort that receives the money from the, the dollars that the federal government is distributing to private corporations or public agencies must be guaranteed health care. And by the way, he can do that. And the third executive order is workers are entitled, empowered, guaranteed by the federal government that they can organize and bargain collectively, that is labor unions. Now, admittedly, if Biden loses in 2024, if some reactionary Republican like Josh Hawley comes into office, he might decide to rescind those executive orders. But you know what? If people have been guaranteed something for the short term, they might not be so happy to give them up. So when he's running again in 2024, Biden, he can warn people of what's at stake if the Republicans get elected again. That way, it doesn't have to be just Trump who's seen as evil. We come to understand the dangers of, of, of electing Republicans. Professor Harvey K., what a treat. He is the professor of democracy and justice at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. So many amazing books are out. Thomas Paine, The Promise of America, Take Hold of Our History, FDR on Democracy is his latest, but also his piece that we're talking about today. Josh Hawley throws challenge on big tech and the left. You can read that on Common Dreams. Professor K, an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure, sir. I cannot wait to have you back on the show. Yeah, Hartzell, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I love your enthusiasm, as I've said. I look forward to the next time. That was really a productive segment, wasn't it? The KC Morning Show. Happening today over at KC Wineworks, it is The Roundtable, a collaborative project from Kiana Sinks and Nicole Jacobs-Sylvie, an intimate fireside chat, once again convening community and crucial conversation about the topics that have emerged during one of the most challenging times in recent history. I'm so excited that this is happening. I'm even more excited that we have both Kiana and Nicole on your KC Morning Show. Ladies, good morning, and tell us about everything. This event is amazing. Kiana, I'm going to go with you first because we know each other. Break it down, my friend. This is awesome. Yeah, well, Hustle, man, thanks for having me on the show. Always a good morning when we're able to start off with you, top of the day. And um, the roundtable, man, we started Three years ago this week, Ashley Hartzell, a joint collaborative effort between myself and Nicole to really convene community conversations and topics that a lot of us every single day, just like last year, um, but we were already doing that. And so how do we get to a point where conversations that we all naturally have at the dinner table are starting to immerse in our communities in a way that impacts everybody and also the intergenerational approach. And this concept of the roundtable started with just one event that me and Nicole just said, hey, we're going to we're going to try to do this thing called the men's roundtable, which is an inaugural event. And at that time, uh, so many notable men that, you know, here in our community sold out event. And then three years later, here we are. So today we're just really excited. Of course, we weren't able to do a whole lot last year, given the pandemic. But, you know, we thought, hey, it'd be really cool just to reach out to folks uh, who've been following with us new and old and just really convene in a way that cultivates people to come together and that's exactly what we're doing tonight at KC Wineworks. You know, we are trying to reclaim our safe places but also make those safe spaces inclusive but also educational a way for us to vent but also to get better and you know, we've seen a lot recently in pop culture, you know, we're taking it to the barbershop. It's a black male perspective which is important but also like not the full story and that's why I'm so happy that you all are leading up this charge tonight. So well said, Frank. 
friend. Hartzell, that is exactly it. And I love that you mentioned the barbershop, um, the, the setting, because that is so much of what Kiana and I do. If you think about just two sisters, right, getting together, sometimes cackling, sometimes crying, sometimes venting, but sharing our genuine lived experiences. And as unlikely a pair we may seem to at first glance with different generations, different lived experiences, we have a shared vision about what we see for our future in our community and what we want for our culture, right? And so what we thought of is people heard overheard us talking sometimes and said, wow, you're dropped the mic, you're saying something. And we wanted to draw in other people in the community into our conversations to have that real talk that barbershop talk, not the, the talk at the front of the stage and, or when you're in a classroom, but that talk that is authentic, organic, and real, that talks with real emotion. It's not tone police. It's just showing up as we are, talking the best that we can and creating solutions and creating spaces, as you mentioned, that are safe, but that push a little bit and take us deeper than the Kansas City nights that we've become accustomed to. What are the goals that you all want to accomplish during these series of Roundtable KC events? You know, it's one thing to get folks in the door, but once we have that conversation, you know, what what do we want to stick? You know, so I think from the onset, though, that's what we've kind of, you know, noticed over the time, given the Roundtable. We've seen people from different sectors of our community, right? So common, everyday individuals, but out of birth from those events, leaving we've seen other folks do things so coffee meetings and relationship starts and having an opportunity to not only just move in action but what are what are some of the necessary professional and personal activations that will ultimately lead them to other networks and that's at the end of the day that's really all you can ask for right so many people um have different perspectives have different goals in their life. And Nicole and I just want to be able to bring those shared lived experiences, those conversations that we have amongst each other every day in a very authentic way, though. It's just been so successful to the point where I, I don't know what the what the common uh, thread, but people always just say they truly leave uh, better than when they came. And so to me, that, that continues to let us know that there's something special here, but I'll allow Nicole to, to chime in on that as well. And you said that so well, Kiana. I agree. The only thing I would add is we want something to be ignited in someone, in the guests that are there, and whether it's this listen, um, learn, lead approach that we talk about, that you can listen to other people's stories and you learn something, and then hopefully you'll lead in whatever space that you're in, that you take something from the person's lived experience and do something different in your life. That's what we would hope, reflection and connection. That's all I would add. And please correct me if I'm wrong. What you all are trying to accomplish is just the beginning. You want to open the door, give those tools out, workshop those tools that then we can go and be great in our own communities. And Kiana, this actually is perfect for what we've already talked about in the past. I think that as we enter in whatever the hell this new normal is, I think that we're doing it together hyper-locally with voices and friends that we trust. And, and now we go to work. Am I close? Yeah, no, you're really close. But I will say, I mean, we're not duplicating or doing anything special or out of the ordinary in terms of just really bringing calming everyday people together to do some extraordinary things. And sometimes that can be overlooked. And from that, we've seen just tremendous opportunities and things that have been immersed from that. And sometimes you cannot quantify community impact in that way. The true testament is time and testimonials that will be delivered from it. I think that's well said. Again, I the intergenerational approach, I'm glad you said that, Kiana, because um, that is something we don't see often. There has been, and this is across communities, this isn't just Black community, Latinx community, this is all is across the United States, that we think you have to have a certain number of years in terms of how long you lived in this planet, as well as experience to have a voice that is valuable. And what we do is we try to say we value different generations, but then we say, you know, have a seat, wait your turn, slow down. No, mm -hmm. you don't know. And what I wanted to do was first off evaluate and see how I'm doing that in spaces and how can I do something different? Because I know that it's going to be our shared vision and our collective um, intellect and just cultural history that we're going to push together to make progress. We have not, my generation has not been able to do it alone. We've tried to follow those before us. It's going to take all of us. And I think these new voices are going to enlighten things that we have not seen. We've already seen that across the media. And there's so many examples of, of, of youthful leaders like um, Kiana that are just been yourself, Hartzell, that are just paving the way. And instead of saying, oh, what are, they, what are they doing? I'm not sure about that generation. Oh, millennial this, Gen Z that. How about 
what are the issues that are plaguing our community and how can we link arms to have those and be accomplished and how can we listen to each other without judgment, resentment, and um, criticism, honestly. So I think this approach is saying, yes, different experiences, but we have a shared vision for what we're looking forward to. And I think seeing Kiana and I model that and what it looks like, people say, oh, now I see what it looks like. It's not mentor-mentee, it's colleagues, it's sisters, it is common vision and action. Preach, y'all. Y'all doing the preaching. In fact, y'all will be preaching tonight from 4 to 6 at KC Wineworks. Ladies, where can we go to get all the information to sign up? If y'all are involved, it's a special place to be. Where can we go to be a part of this? Because this is the place to be today. Where should we go? Yeah, man. Harsey, you can go to the Roundtable KC on Facebook. Uh, you know, of course, Nicole and I, uh, we have the information there online for you. Or Eventbrite, just type in KC Wineworks. And shout out to them, Harsey. Uh, for uh, sponsoring us, empowering this event tonight and lifting up the space. And so we really love what they're doing as well, what women owned. And so anytime you can always support other women in the community, we want to make sure we do that as well. And so you can go to Eventbrite or you can go to the Roundtable KC on Facebook, grab the tickets. And I think we only have a few left. So better do that before noon today. Uh, and we look forward to seeing everybody there. And we're really excited for those who are planning on coming to join us. Kiana, we, we've chatted before on this show. We go back a little bit. You are the community and digital manager at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Nicole, real quick before I yeah. let you go. This is our first time chatting. Tell me a little bit about you, my friend. Right. I can't believe it's the first time because I've been following you forever. I am the president and founder of Connection Coach KC. I'm a consultant and an executive coach. I focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, consulting, mainly helping not-for-profit boards diversify in very intentional ways. But I also do speaking engagements as well. So thank you for that. Two of the best people I can think of to help us help us ignite, lead this charge. And by charge, I mean, we're changing the world. This place, it's better because you're in it and it's better because we have events like what you all are throwing this afternoon. The Roundtable KC, it is happening from 4 to 6 at KC Wineworks. And one more time, where can we go to get signed up? And you got until noon, my friends. So get signed up. Where can we go? The Roundtable KC. Then uh, also, we're hard to say, you can just look it up on uh, Eventbrite today. And you'll be able to see that link and it'll pop right up for you. Can we do a recap once everything is done and then we get ready for the next one and all the events after that? Oh, <laughs> love that. You, you know you got that. Thank you so much. Betsided's very own Benny Heist, manager, was managing editor, manager in chief. I'll get it down eventually. I like manager in chief because, like, it's basically so I'm the managing editor, but I think manager in chief kind of like props me up so that people think I'm making more money than I am. But, hey, like, prop no, bets you up. Manager in chief. That's fun. We have, you know, our VP of betting content, and then we have the managing editor, but there's, there's no, there's no chief. I'd love to be a chief. VP of managing. Well, that doesn't flow off the tongue. You're the bet man in charge, Benny Heiss. The bet man. Batman. I mean, I, I need like a, a Batman mobile. Now, now all of a sudden I have like ideas sitting in my head, like about like a potential logo, Batman films. Like I, I wonder if, I wonder if at Batman is available on, no, nope, somebody already has it on Twitter. No! Damn it. I will draw up a cease and desist letter right now and we will DM that to whoever Batman is because that's yours, Benny. Yeah. And also I am Batman is also taken, <laughs> unfortunately, but they haven't tweeted since 2012. So maybe, maybe I have a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying it's there. Benny Heist, is there a chance that, that anybody in these here United States are going to still watch the Olympics without Simone Biles in it? One day after she removed herself from the team final, Simone Biles withdrew from tomorrow's all around competition. She She's focusing on mental health. USA Gymnastics says Biles will be evaluated every day before a decision comes on her participation in up to four individual events next week. I've just never felt like this going into a competition before, and I tried to go out here and have fun and warm up in the back went a little bit better, but then once I came out here, I was like, no, mental is not there, so I just need to let the girls do it and focus on myself. I think there's the, you know, a couple elements there. Is, is For anybody that, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give my, my former public some love, but for anybody that hasn't read Steph Epstein's profile on Simone Biles from, from Sports Illustrated uh, from a while ago, and you can probably find it, you know, by just searching Sports Illustrated. Uh, this is somebody who 
like in the middle of the pandemic last year had talked to, to Stephanie Epstein and basically said like, I don't even know if I want to continue to do this. And we're talking about someone that was dealing and addressing her mental health before the Olympics even were canceled last year. So you're dealing with a pandemic, you're dealing with somebody that like legitimately has the weight on her shoulders, someone who is still remaining in competition because she didn't want Larry Nasser, the, the former doctor, USA gymnastics doctor that, that sexually abused use all the women on that team she didn't want it to appear like he won and that was part of the reason that she continued to compete man like i i know everyone's got their their takes when it comes to how and why they're addressing simone's decision to to pull out from the team event and now the individual event to me it's all about like two things. The first is what, what more does she have to prove? She's done and accomplished everything. There is no disputing that she's the best in the sport. Maybe you can make the argument that like, it's, it's tough for her teammates. If they were competing in a team event together that, yeah, like they knew with Simone out there, they had a better chance at the goal. That's, that's one conversation that I actually think is a, is a fair conversation to have. Like, should her teammates be disappointed? I think we're all disappointed that we can't watch the greatest in that sport and one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen before. I I think that's a perfectly reasonable expectation. But I I think, man, like humanity needs to be at the table here, right? Think about it. You do not get to this point without an extreme uh, dedication to your craft, without working your ass off, without putting every single ounce of time and energy into becoming the best. Somebody made a comparison yesterday, Hartzell. I was curious to get your perspective on this. Someone said, like, imagine if Mahomes in the Super Bowl, you know, after, you know, let's say the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl for a third consecutive year. And, you know, just we, we know it's going to happen. So why even just assume that it wouldn't? But let's say Mahomes gets to the Super Bowl. Chiefs are there for the third consecutive year. And, and then, you know, a couple days before the Super Bowl, he comes out and says, like, listen, man, like, my, my head is just not there right now. There, there's too much going on. And I just don't feel like I, I'm going to play. Chad is going to be able to step up. We're going to get this thing done. To me, like, I, it's not necessarily a, a fair comparison because of everything that, that Simone has gone through. And that's not to say that Mahomes hasn't tackled adversity. But the way that I see it is that regardless of whether it's Simone or Mahomes or anybody, you know, Barrett Robbins of the Raiders, when they were in the Super Bowl, had a mental breakdown beforehand. And, and the conversation about that has never adapted or changed. To me, I think there's a humanity element here that basically indicates like, if you have worked this hard and worked and put so much of your time and energy into becoming the best so that you can compete at the greatest stage. And even after all that, knowing that that has been your goal and where you have your mindset for all these years and you still can't get there. Like to me, I, I just, there's empathy for me. Like, even if it impacted my team, yes, there would be disappointment, but man, like athletes do not work their ass off hearts to get to the greatest point in their career where they can achieve and find the most amount of success and then just pull out because they, they're not ready for it. Like the whole point of them getting into this was to compete at the greatest level. So that's kind of how I see the Simone Biles situation. It's like, to me, there's an element of, of empathy there because we know what she can do when the lights are the brightest and she just can't find it right now. I think your analogy actually works better than you're giving it credit for. And I'll explain why, you know, as we are reevaluating, I guess, how we look at mental health, you know, de-stigmatizing it and in real time, which I think we can all appreciate but we also have so much more work to do because even as we are destigmatizing the idea of getting help for mental health, I think we are still inadvertently putting it in two separate bubbles. You've got mental health and you've got physical health when in actuality, it's just health. And why I think your analogy works better than I think you maybe even give it credit for is say that if it is the biggest game of Mahomes' career, say we do make a third straight Super Bowl and the day before, say he's got a foot injury or something something holds him out where it says, you know what, Pat can't start today. And if it was an ankle injury or a knee injury or anything else that we're used to thinking of as like a physical ailment, yeah, we would be super bummed, but we would get it because yeah, my guy can't walk right now. He probably shouldn't be playing in a game of football. That makes sense to me. I'm bummed, but you know, that makes sense to me. Same thing for what Simone is going through right now. Health is health, mental or otherwise. If one wrong twist in the air is off, she is dead. She could literally die in front of our very eyes. 
This is no different than an athlete having to be sidelined after the halftime because he or she, you know, pulled a hammy. I, I think that's an excellent point. And I also can bring it back to the football analogy of, man, you can die on the football field at any point too. Absolutely. Your, your neck can snap on the football field. You know, your leg can get turned around and, and you could potentially never walk again. Or, you know, it, there's, there's all those different elements. Like football's an incredibly dangerous sport. So from that standpoint too, yeah, I, I don't want a player, especially somebody that, you know, you believe is going to have a lasting impact for your team for many years, the leader of your team, if they're not in the right space uh, from either a mental or physical level to be there, if there's a chance that that could take them out for the rest of their career. So I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I think the other component too, and again, we're just in, in such transition, like, as a society, when it comes to even just understanding this, right? I don't know. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. So the years ago, Chicago Bears were, were playing, I think, the, the Green Bay Packers uh, for a shot to go to the Super Bowl. And, of course, my, the Bears are my team. And Jay Cutler, you know, and listen, Cutler's a, a polarizing dude. No one's really particularly cared for him. And they, we still judge, you know, um, you know how, how your body reaction is on the sideline when we're not in the same shoes as these athletes. And again, that's a conversation for another time, but like Jay Cutler had a, had a torn MCL. You can't play football on a torn MCL. Now maybe Tom Brady did, but like that was Brady's decision. Bears, doctors, and team physicians ruled Jay Cutler out for the second half. And the conversation wasn't about like, why is Jay Cutler out? It was Jay Cutler should be gutting it out, playing it for through injury for a chance for the Bears to get to the Super Bowl. Like, A, he didn't have a choice. B, people, like, tried to say that he wasn't tough enough to be able to get back on there. Like, man, that is a legitimate serious injury and a situation that he didn't have control of. But our reaction as fans, as someone, like, under, trying to understand this gladiator-esque type sport in modern-day society, that... Like, oh, he should just he should just play through it. Like, that's what athletes do. You play through it. This is the biggest stage. You know, just put it aside, rub some dirt on it, and, and hobble out there. And we also prop those players up when they do play through injury, when maybe that's not something that we should be doing. Maybe we should say, yeah, it's it's admirable, but it's also admirable to know if you are hurt that you're not causing yourself further damage over the course of your career or possibly your lifetime. Like there's so much transition that I think we need to be able to take as far as understanding and creating compassion for athletes. And I think it's always going to be tough because of the fact that a, they play a game for a living and B they make a shit ton of money as a result of it. And you know, fans feel incredibly entitled feeling like we pay their salaries. We don't, it's the owners. Um, but I, I think that's, part of this larger conversation too is the understanding of like, if you are hurt, like you said, Hartzell, regardless of whether it's mental or physical, it just needs to be about the fact that you are not in the right place to be able to perform at your best. And until we as a society start to truly understand that and empathize with that, uh, we're going to be going in circles for a while. Finally, the rock has come back to Kansas city. The KC Morning Show. Kitty! Kitty! Happy hump day, baby! Got some words of wisdom for us. You gonna inspire us, girl? I am. It's been a I good do. show. Yeah. I need you to bring it home. This is the go home, Kitty. You gotta close this thing out. Send these folks out right. Right-minded, honestly. You show us the way. I want you to show us the way. I got it. I want I you have it. show me the way. Are, Are you ready for this? Are they ready for this? Wednesdays on your KC Morning Show, Kitty, she breaks off some words of wisdom to inspire you through not just the rest of your day, not just the rest of your week, but the rest of your GD life. Kitty, take it away. Patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. Jean-Jacques Rousseau. A little fruit for your morning show. I appreciate that. I see what you did there. When you run into something interesting, drop everything else and study it. B.F. Skinner. Trying to see if I can't find a theme through some of these. Okay. All right. It's the simple things in life that are the most extraordinary. Paolo Coelho. Love him. Uh 
Don't you have some books? The Alchemist. Fall in love with the masterpiece and also the paint on the floor. Morgan Harper Nichols. Do you feel that way about me, Kitty? Am I the, the portrait and the paint on the floor? Am I painting you like a French girl? Yes, you are. Okay. Yes. Thought that was understood. Time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. Finally, somebody else said it. The beauty is that through disappointment, you can gain clarity. And with clarity comes conviction and true originality. That's Conan O'Brien. Conan said that? That Conan. felt like Yoda. Genius, like humanity, rust for want of use. William Hazlitt. We're not going to rust Kansas City. We refuse to be rusted out, Kansas City. Can you give me a couple more? Seek first the virtues of the mind, and other things either will come or will not be wanted. Francis Bacon. Wow. Bring it home, Kitty. What you got? I'm not afraid of storms, for I'm learning how to sail my ship. Louisa May Alcott. Kansas City just know you are the storm. You are the one who knocks Kansas City. Just finished up our Breaking Bad rewatch. What a show. Kitty, you got an original? I kind of think I summed up an original this morning, you know? The beginning of the show. I can completely agree with that. Yeah. 1,000%. Thank you. It's been an inspiring episode on your KC Morning Show. Be you, be true, take no shit. Yeah, that's bonus content right there. There you go. You didn't have to do that. No. But she did. I wanted to. You're a giver. It's just, it's just your nature. She's a giver in this new normal. Kitty, where can these folks find you? At Holy Hearts. You can get me at Hearts1965. Get the show at the KC Morning Show on Instagram, KC Morning Show on Facebook, Twitter, KC Morning Show at gmail.com. That's the email. We got Professor Harvey K that way. I want to go ahead and slide into emails, y'all. The Gmails. You're already on the grid. Send an email while you're there. Nominations are open for the Pitch Awards, the best of. Go to pitchkc.com. Nominate KC Morning Show because, again, that's that's not a nomination for us, Kitty and myself. No, no, no. That's a nomination, Kansas City, for you. Update your bio. You are a reigning and defending best local podcaster. And we want to do that again. Do it again, baby. You know I love it when you do it again. Happy hump day. Baby! That's all we got. A good day to be a Kansas City. Ooh. Bring back the vibes, y'all. That's the subtitle for the sequel. Backs to the Future. Bring back the vibes. We'll see you in the morning. Go get them, Marty. Run for it, Marty! You're listening to the KC Morning Show.